Boom! We are live for this new episode of the Electric Podcast. I'm Fred Lambert, your host, and I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. Why are we live so early today, Seth? Uh, son's birthday party, but I'm good. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, scheduling conflicts, got my mom in town, bunch of stuff happening. Well, that's nice. Grandma is there for, for the grandson's birthday. That's nice. Um, but this is a good reminder to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, on Facebook, or wherever you're watching right now, because then you can get notified when we do go live a little early like that so that you don't miss the show live if you're so inclined to watch it live. So good reminder on that. And if you are, uh, if you do like our content, uh, I would appreciate if you give us a thumbs up, a comment uh, below or something like that, any type of engagement. Uh, it helps with the uh, algorithm to push our show to more people, which is, uh, which is always appreciated. And uh, same thing on uh, your podcast app. If you're listening on your podcast, if you can give us a, a five star rating, that's also very appreciated. Of course, only if you like the show. Uh, no, no, nothing fake like that. That we're not we're not uh, encouraging you to to share your opinion if uh, you you don't like it. Um, but let's get into the uh, news this week. We have a bunch of Tesla news, as usual, a few other items that we're going to discuss later on the show. But the big news is the one that came out this morning, of course, uh, the Tesla delivery and production result for Q2. And uh, good results. Um, Tesla announced a 201,000 uh, vehicle delivered. The, the consensus was uh, about 200,000, so they technically beat that, but uh, the, it, w- it was kind of all over the place this quarter, the, the, the expectation, because of um, what we discussed over the last few weeks, supply chains issue, the Tesla Vision thing that put uh, 10,000, even more than 10,000, probably like several tens of thousand vehicles on hold for a little while. Um, then uh, there was the Mall S that got delayed. The deliveries were supposed to be early in the quarters. It ended up just being a few weeks of deliveries. And um, and even even in the uh, the sh- very short press release that they released about the, the result, they do mention uh, global supply chain and logistic challenges that complicated uh, Tesla's uh, result this quarter. But 206,421 vehicles produced uh, that's uh, that, that's significant here. I mean, it looks like Tesla's uh, production issues, like the supply chains, is is even though it might still be challenging, uh, it's it, the results are still there. It's still under control on that front. Uh, deliveries uh, two hundred and one thousand. I mean, we're, we're talking about uh, I think seventy seventy uh, percent year over year up. Um, yeah, no, one hundred and twenty. No, the deliveries are seventy-seven percent up quarter over quarter, a uh, year over year. Sorry, so that's a, that, that's a big deal. Quarter over quarter, it's it's closer to what ten ten percent probably. Um, Model S and X, which I think it's probably just Model S, right? Like we we haven't seen it, yeah, part. we haven't seen any new Model X deliveries, but um, two thousand three hundred and forty production. So that's not too surprising because. Uh, Tesla was still producing some units throughout the quarter, even though they weren't delivering until the last few weeks. And uh, as they were still uh, doing their uh, quality testing, but then uh, 1,890 delivered, uh, which is which is significant. I mean, for like three weeks of uh, of delivery, basically, even less than that, I think. Uh, that, that that's uh, that's good. You can see here that a, a higher, much higher percentage of them on on Lisa. Than the, the uh, model three model Y, 
the, the Tesla is still not breaking down Model 3 and Model Y deliveries, which I, I still don't understand because like those are big vehicle programs at this point. You kind of want to see the health of, of both of them, but Tesla is, is really weird about that. So 204,000 product um, vehicle produced, 199,000 delivered. So still, of course, the majority of Tesla's deliveries are Model 3 Model Y. That's completely unsurprising. But yeah, I mean, great result. And it's... Uh, Tesla basically like is it's close right now to delivering with the first half of the year as many cars that they delivered last year. So that's um, uh, for the entirety of the year. So that's great. Now a lot of people were hoping for a million cars in in, um, in 2021 altogether. Now they would need a lot more deliveries in um, the second half of the year. We need a great ramp up for that and. Uh, there's still some room, like right now Tesla is obviously producing cars just over 200,000 units per, per quarter. So that's a good chance to deliver over 500,000 car next year, uh, during the second half of the year, sorry. Uh, but that wouldn't be enough, obviously, to um, to achieve this number. Tesla needs just over 600,000 uh, vehicle delivered in, in Q3 and Q4 together to get the million. Uh, so there is still room, I think, to improve a little bit, to accelerate a little bit production in Shanghai and and in Fremont. But it looks like Tesla would rely on um, at least like some decent volume from Berlin and or Texas. Uh, it can be either or, depending on how the ramp up happens. So, but we we do know that like, it's super hard to predict an early ramp up of a of a new a new vehicle program, and even more so a new vehicle program at a brand new factory, which is the what is happening in, in both cases because the model Y that they print to produce in Berlin and Texas is significantly different from what uh, the model Y Tesla produces in Shanghai and in, in Fremont. So the, it's, it's not like just like copying the vehicle program with the whole structural battery pack thing, the whole new cells and everything. So this is this, like, I was always a bit skeptical about the million vehicle goal. I'm a little more so right now because even let's say if Berlin and, um, Texas starts production towards the end of the quarter, which is not impossible. Uh, it would be extremely low production, like a few hundred units at most. And right. then can they rip up, ramp up to a few thousand in Q4? That's the big question here. Um, not impossible, but right now I ranked it as unlikely. So closer to like 900,000 deliveries uh, for, throughout the entire years, I think it's a, a better goal. What do you think, Seth? Well, I mean, I, I'm looking at um, previous years. Uh, 2020, um, they had in the quarter one, 88,000, uh, then 90,000. Sorry, is that right? Yeah, 90,000 um, in the first two quarters. So that's only 180,000, uh, not even 180,000, 170,000. No, 180,000, sorry, uh, in the first two quarters. So then they ramped up to 139,000, then 180,000 in Q3 and Q4. Those are pretty big jumps. If they can do just a little bit of a jump um, next quarter to, you know, let's say 250,000, and then they can make up, you know, if they can get up to 300,000, then they can kind of get to a million. So I'm, I'm, you know, it's early. We don't know, but um, they can certainly get there. It not it impossible. Would require, yeah. Yeah, it would require getting uh, one or both, as you said, a Berlin and uh, Texas online, probably. Um, 
And, you know, I don't think there's a demand problem at all. It's just really, <laughs> can they make enough numbers? Um, I, I wonder, I mean, if we look at the numbers this time, it's crazy how low a percentage Model S and X are. Um, it's, it's less than 1% of deliveries. Um, so it's almost nothing. But we know that there's some significant Model S and X demand um, that, that theoretically Fremont can start putting out. Um, so maybe that gets, gets them, you know, I'm not saying a big chunk of the way they're definitely not getting numbers on model S and X, but that kind of maybe can push them over the line a little bit. You're not wrong because I mean, the, the program apparently should ramp back up to like in the thousands of units per, per week, like a one or two, uh, throughout the second half of the year. So that, that's going to be more significant than what we're seeing right now, especially with the model X coming. I mean, the, the like right now it's mostly plaid deliveries. And uh, the long range uh, model S and then the long range model X with the, all the new features and the new interior and everything. I think those are going to be great sellers. Like they, they, they're going to, they're going to be popular vehicles in their respective segments. Yeah. I mean, people have been waiting years for an upgrade, you know, an yeah. update, a significant update. So this is what people kind of been waiting for for a while. Yeah. And if, uh, as to your comparison to the, the ramp up in the second half of last year, uh, we have to acknowledge though that, that that's attri attributable to uh, Model Y production starting in, in China, which was arguably one of the smoothest rollout of a new production, uh, I've ever seen really, especially for electric vehicles. And, um, and that was in also, China. Also COVID. Yeah, COVID was a yeah. Well, COVID there. slowed down the first half too, so that's that's a good point too. So it, it was disproportionate to to what we're seeing this year. But yeah, I don't I don't think that Berlin and um, Texas are going to be as smooth as Shanghai. Uh, not just because it's China and versus Germany and in the U.S., but just because it's a completely well, not completely different vehicle, but more different vehicle than uh tesla was producing is producing in shanghai versus what uh, the, the first model y produced in uh in fremont so something to keep yeah. in mind and if you're long tesla you really shouldn't be focused i mean it's a good uh thing to hit like if they can get a million cars that would be a, a big deal but if you're long tesla this you know if they get to nine hundred thousand or a million this year it really doesn't make a whole lot of difference because mm -hmm. berlin and Texas are going to be running. I mean, the you know, cyber truck and other stuff is going to start coming out. Like in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter if they get full, you know, speed in December or February or March of next year. Um, it's going to happen and the demand is there. So. Yeah. And that, that's a good point to transition to our, our next article because, um, yeah, like you said, this long term, this doesn't have a big impact. This is for like short term result, quarterly result that helps the stock price, which has some value for the, for the greater mission of accelerating EV adoption because showing a successful financial, financially successful electric, electric only uh, vehicle company, it's, uh, it, it It's great for electric vehicle investment. It's great uh, example for their automakers to invest more in electric vehicles. And, and that, that was Tesla's mission for a long time. So it, it is part of the mission to do that quarterly. But we need to acknowledge that it comes at a cost because especially this quarter with, with like the last few quarters, the, the intensity of the end of quarter delivery push was not as crazy as it was this quarter because of all the challenges that we, that we just discussed on top of it. But it's not just that that caused this crazy end of the quarter push that, that did that's been part of tesla's business for a long time and um 
And this quarter, we, we got a lot of reports from new buyers about uh, having a VIN number in their account and the VIN number disappearing uh, and, and Tesla de- delaying the delivery of someone uh, that wasn't like the delivery timing wasn't great for them. So, and that generally means that Tesla custom produce the car for an owner and then give it to somebody else that was able to take delivery faster, uh, which helps with the end of quarter flow. So we've seen a bunch of that, which is not exactly new, but look, based on our anecdotal evidence, it looked like it happened a lot this quarter. And uh, we also seen a lot of reports from people taking delivery um, of, of the vehicle during the end of quarter push, even our own uh, Michelle here at uh, Electrek, uh, who does the um, Egypt um, Electric uh, Green Energy uh, Brief uh, every morning. She uh, got her brand new Model 3. And it was a whole ordeal to schedule the, the delivery um, and to have time to do a walk around the vehicle and, and everything. Uh, not just like the orientation. Like Tesla has been moving away from the orientation for a while now with uh, pushing videos through the app in order to familiar, familiarize you with the car and everything beforehand. Uh, though when it's not the end of the quarter, uh, Tesla is, most Tesla advisors I've, I've um, talked to have been perfectly willing because I, I, I've... I mean, I took delivery of quite a few test vehicles myself, but also um, attended the delivery of many of my friends buying cars uh, and other people. And uh, normally they are more than willing to show you the car around. But when it's the end of quarter, and I've seen a few of those too, they try to get you out the door as fast as possible. With from the orientation side of things, it's not that big of a deal, especially Tesla buyers are generally like uh, pretty invested in their uh purchasing process and, and they do their research beforehand but for just a quality check around the car that's very important because you should never accept the delivery of a car um, if there's defect on it that they are not fixing right away it's not completely uh, abnormal to to have a few defects on, on, a, on a new vehicle that happen with any brand but normally they, they're going to fix it right now or they're going to fix it within a few days and you're going to delay the delivery tesla tries to avoid that at the end of the quarter because they want the car delivered as soon as possible and uh it's not it's not unusual to hear a tesla advisor telling you look fake delivery of the car right now and we're going to schedule an appointment within the next few weeks for you to bring it back or we send a mobile service guy to your place. And we're going to fix those issues. And um, we've heard some problem with that, of course, in terms of delays and everything, especially since you, you can have, a, if you have a lot of people doing that, then you have a backlog in service and everything. So it's just, it's a wheel that just keeps going. It's not, it's a vicious cycle. So yeah, it, we we would like to see Tesla find a better balance in achieving great delivery numbers and not having those um, so intense in the quarter delivery push. The good news is that uh, Berlin and Texas should help a lot with that because uh, especially with the Model Y, because it's going to be the first vehicle to, to to be produced at those factories. But I think the biggest step for Tesla is going to be when they produce both Model Y and Model 3 in Berlin for European markets. Because right now, that's that's the big challenge for Tesla. The big logistical challenge for Tesla is producing European Model 3 and Model Y in um, in Fremont, though they do some in China now, to be fair. But in Fremont, and then making giant batch of cars 
for the European market to come at the same time. So they, they're delivered around the same time too. And then that pushes production for the US in three months and then push that to the end of the quarter. So if they can have a, a more regular flow of cars going to North American markets uh, from Fremont throughout the quarter and then the same thing in Europe from Berlin, then that's going to be a lot smoother. But uh, when that's going to happen, it's, uh, I mean, we're talking about Model Y, being ramped up and Model Three being ramped up at Berlin, I don't, I don't think Tesla even uh, put a timeline on that. I would assume that's maybe end of next year or something like that. If I, if I were to guess, I think that's fair. Yeah, I'd, you know, if if you know, just to back up a little bit, if I was going to try to take delivery of a Tesla, I would certainly try to avoid the end of the quarter. Um, the, the problem is that you often can't like you order your car and then right it's just it, it, it gets it, pushed, it, back, pushed it, back yeah they produce it at that time yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know all right we got some news on Tesla Vision we've been we've talked last week about uh, Elon saying that it's gonna the, the FSD 9 gonna come next week or uh, it, it, it wasn't as clear anymore the for sure in June or for sure in Q2. Like we 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 knew that that might not happen, but I'm when, pretty sure it's not going to be June. I mean, yeah, now it's obviously not <laughs> June, but but we said that when he's talking about next week, at least it should be imminent. Like it should be, even if it's not necessarily next week. If it's if it's next week, it should it should be soon. And now we did we did get a, a good indication that that's going to be extremely soon because uh, at least the vehicles that are, are are now equipped with Tesla Vision, which is basically the the all the new cars, all the new Model Three, Model Ys produced since uh, May. They uh they receive an update to the autopilot features and active safety features that were restricted uh, without the the radar sensors. So with, with FSD uh, version nine being based on Tesla Vision two, uh, vision only without radar, um, it it makes sense that the restriction on on the update on new cars w- would. Um, when that, once that lifted, it means that the progress has been made, the verification has been made more, and that would translate to FSD V9. And so, if you don't remember, those restrictions included uh, uh, the uh, smart summon, the uh, auto steer, and well, autopilot basically being limited to 75 miles per hour, and emergency lane departing uh, departure avoidance too was uh, wasn't available on the car. Now all those features have been added. Well, uh, the pilot has been the limit on the speed has been increased from uh, FS, from seventy five miles per hour to uh, eighty miles per hour. So it's still not the ninety miles per hour that you have in uh, in the regular cars with, with with radar, but it's still closer to that. I assume that Tesla will not push uh, the Tesla Vision only features to the older car with radar until uh, they have ninety miles per hour because. Um, I mean, because then they downgrade you basically. Even even though, I mean, I'd be willing to take a, a ninety to eighty miles per hour downgrade if it means that the the rest of the features work better. Because I mean, I don't often drive more than eighty miles per. Hour. What what's eighty miles per hour in kilometers per hour? Uh, uh, probably like one thirty or something. Um, is there anywhere where eighty over eighty is legal in the U.S.? I think Texas has yeah. pretty high speeds. 
Nevada too, maybe like in big stretch, like Montana, 80, 85 and things like that. It's 128. Yeah. I mean, I, I will, I will pass someone 188 if they're being weird or something like that, but normally I'm on cruise control at 119. So yeah, I, I'm rarely over 80, but, um, but yeah, it's still weird to like, push an update to right. vehicles that have been around for years with downgrading features. Though Tesla has a kind of history of doing that sometimes. But in this case, it's for the new cars and it's been upgraded. That's uh, 2021.4.18.10. So now you have all the safety features that were there before. Uh, you have Smart Summon. That's now vision only. I, I think for Smart Summon, that's we're going to start seeing a big difference on that. I, I would be curious to test the feature. To be fair, I haven't tested much on, on my car because, uh, I mean, in Canada, it's been it's been limited to. But uh, I would assume that uh, without the radar, it would actually be helpful because sometimes uh, it hacks kind of weird. All right. So the same time we got some validation from independent testing on the new uh, active safety features on the Tesla Vision only system. So if you remember when Tesla announced the the, the transition to Tesla Vision, uh, both the Consumer Report and IIHS was like were quick to remove their safety rating on the cars. They're like, hey, what's happening? We don't we don't know whether they have this these safety features or not. Uh, turns out they had them, and uh, now they tested them, and they found that it's actually just as good as the the one with radars, if not better. I mean, it, it got the same ratings for for vehicle to vehicle crash prevention. They um got they both got superior ratings, and uh, and very like they do get like some a little bit more in the weeds. In in this case, is the system meets the requirement for okay. Um, so in the twelve miles per hour test, it avoided collision. And the old one in the 25 miles per hour test, it also avoided collision. And the new one, exact same thing. So same thing happened. Uh, in the pedestrian test, though, in the vehicle before, uh, so reduce the impact. So at lower uh, crossing, so for the test, the crossing a child. So that's a big one that you, you want to avoid. Uh, it didn't avoid the accident before, but it reduced it by three miles per hour and five miles per hour. In this case, it reduced it by 10 and 12. So it, it performed better on, on that front. For a crossing adult, uh, it avoided the, the collision for both 12 miles per hour and 25 miles per hour test. In the new one, uh, it avoided it for the 12. It didn't avoid it for 25, but it reduced the impact by 13. So actually not as good for crossing adults. But I have to assume that those tests are far from perfect, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, then for a parallel adult, so what does that mean? So if the you're turning and then there's a, someone that's walking parallel to your car, I would assume. Uh, in the 25 miles per hour test, it avoided it on the old car. And at 37 miles per hour test, uh, it reduced the impact by uh, 35 miles per hour. Uh, again, a little, not exactly as good for the parallel adult test for the new one, uh, reduced the impact by 24 miles per hour on the 25 miles per hour test, so pretty, pretty close to avoiding it. Um, I mean, does that mean that you get hit by a car at one mile per hour in that, in that case when they say that? I don't know, but that doesn't sound too painful. Yeah, I mean, one mile per hour is like, you can't get away from that, I feel like. Um, in the 37 miles per hour test, uh, the impact was reduced by 25 miles per hour. And the warning was issued 3.3 seconds before the impact. I mean, 3.3 seconds. I feel like you you have time to uh, to react to uh, 
And yeah. that's actually a longer warning time than the previous version without radar, which was 2.7. Yeah, that might be one of the more important things there, that, that length of time, because even a second of extra time can get you stopped or whatever. Yeah, so that's... um. Yeah, and actually, I think that that's where we're going to see a lot of improvement from the Tesla Vision side because, and that's a weird part here because the vehicle, the radar system should be pretty good at like a big middle thing to detect. Like that's what radars are good at. But um, crossing childs, crossing adults, and things like smaller targets or smaller objects i shouldn't say target because you don't want to, <laughs> to hit them but smaller objects uh the uh and also not fleshy objects not metal based objects uh, the vision system should be better than the radar probably uh, so but here's the thing the the big focus like, so right now it's pretty much as good but musk has been uh, has been quite clear that it's going to improve from there that uh, with the, the vision-based system, without the noise from the radar, uh, they think it's going to improve much faster. So we expect some some updates uh, soon. And Elon did comment on the new IIHS test saying that uh, we think we can get max score for all subcategories individual tests too. Retesting in a month or so with improved software. The improved software will be uploaded to all cars with FSD computers. So here, here, here you have it. Uh, in a month or so, they're going to, push a new update which should improve on that and that's around the time that they're going to also push the Tesla vision only system to all cars even those that have the radar so basically in our model threes model in your model y we're going to have a radar in the front that's going to be useless useless yeah i wonder is it going to be 100 percent useless or is it just going to be like relegated to uh i mean is it just going to are they going to even send power to it or are they just yeah, uh, good. That's a good question. Uh, it sounds like it's gonna be like uh, just a uh, dead weight. Hmm. Maybe I can yank it out and sell it on the black market <laughs> or on the on the regular market, eBay, the regular market, <laughs> yeah, on the black market. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's a very expensive piece of equipment, though. The dark web. Yeah. All right. Uh, this news that came out last night. The um, Model Y's standard range is making a comeback uh, through the launch of the Model Y in Hong Kong. So if you remember kind of the debacle with the standard range Model Y that Elon Musk says wouldn't exist because he wasn't happy with the 250 or so mile range on the on the vehicle. And um, then it was actually launched earlier this year just to be pulled a few weeks later. And uh, and then Elon said it was it was an off the menu item, which we all know that Tesla's off the menu item tends to just whittle away after a little while, like the like the Model Three, the thirty five thousand dollar Model Three. But uh, but now it's making a comeback in Hong Kong, as it, right there in the configurator as the new base model Y for Hong Kong, uh, starting at uh, at the equivalent of forty two thousand dollars, which is was basically what they were selling it in. Uh, in the U.S. and it's now with all the price increase to the long-range Model Y, that's ten thousand dollars less than the base Model Y now for in, in the U.S. So it's a big difference here. Uh, so excited for the for the Hong Kong market, and I mean it, it does make sense with what Elon was saying in terms of uh, the the shorter range being a problem. It's it it shouldn't be a problem in Hong Kong. I know you said you work in Hong Kong for a while. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of small, right? Yeah, there's not much going on there. I mean, there's lots going on. There's not, there's not much uh, place to drive. Uh, 
you know, I was I was actually on the island. So, I mm-hmm. mean, there are some parts of like the mainland where there's like uh, you know, some some driving area, but really it's But then then the mainland there. you have some driving area, but isn't that left-hand drive and then you have right-hand drive on the island? So you, there's not there's not much going on between like going from Hong Kong to mainland and vice versa, right? Uh I you know, I was there a long time ago, so I imagine it's o- a little bit more open now, especially with the, you know, the kind of the crackdown on the the normalcy of or the independence <laughs> of Hong Kong. Yeah. So, um I don't know. I I you know, most people in Hong Kong unless you're mega rich don't have a, a yeah. car of their own anyway, so it's hard to hard to say because that's the price of the car here that we're listing at forty thousand dollars, which doesn't sound that crazy. But then the license, uh, not the license, the registration, I guess, uh, to the the, the plates, mm-hmm. buying your plates is is like extremely expensive just to get get your plates, and if you can get them, apparently too. That's uh, you know what part. was the ultimate status symbol in Hong Kong? What a lawnmower. <laughs> if you had a lawnmower, you are the richest person because nobody has a yard there, yeah. and you know if you're mowing your own. Lo- Yard, you're yeah, that very make, wealthy. That makes sense. So you hear a, a lot more around. You're like, oh, what's, what's, what's wow. happening? <laughs> There's some rich people that just woke up and doing yeah. their lawn. Um, yeah. So the other thing that's interesting here is that we assume that that Model Y is coming from China, from Shanghai. Uh, but but in in mainland China, Tesla is not uh, is not selling a standard range Model Y too. So it looks like Tesla is just going to produce the standard range Model Y for right-hand drive for Hong Kong. So it gives some hope uh, for other right-hand drive markets that could get their supply from uh, Tesla Shanghai. But at the same time, other right-hand drive markets don't have the same uh, features as the, uh, I mean, land mass as, as hong kong so like uh, for example for example australia australia you're gonna want a longer range car i mean i guess right. new zealand and the uk are not too bad but still a lot bigger than hong kong yeah i mean japan's right hand drive too. yeah japan that's fair maybe some folks in india i don't know did, nah that's probably not gonna happen yeah i mean the the whole indian launch is uh Supposed to happen soon, actually, and there've been some moves there recently, but it looks quite complicated to launch in India. All right, uh, Megapack just uh, launched a new massive project of 142 megapacks for a 100 megawatts, 400 megawatts hour battery system. That's in uh, Ventura County in California, Southern California, near Oxnard. So this this kind of a cool project here. It's run by Erivan Asset Management, and um, it's it's replacing a would-be gas peaker plant. And it's actually a cool story because they, they were gonna build a gas power plant there to to strengthen the, the grid during peak power, the uh, the power up that gas natural gas power plant, and to um, uh, to, to to satisfy that that peak demand. And uh, when the electricity spike for like ACUs in the summer and, and things like that, but uh, if they were going to build that, I mean, Ventura County is a beautiful, beautiful place, uh, right on this on the on the ocean, and they were going to take like ocean real estate, like right on the ocean, to build this ugly, like fossil fuel powered uh, power plant, and uh, the community fought against it. They were like, "We don't want that." 
batteries are the future. Why you don't just build a giant battery system? So they did, and uh, they use 142 mega packs, like you can see on this picture here. And it was just powered online just now uh, this week. So uh, congrats on everyone involved in this project. This is uh, this is very cool. You have to wonder when they're going to start stacking them on like top right of each other. Yeah, they have vent on top of them though. I saw that, but you can you can still vent that way. I mean, I kind of see these as like computer things where Mm -hmm. you know right now they're flat but you could start stacking them uh you know i don't know well they're They're like from the road they're barely visible right now like we have a drone shot here but if they're not stacked up like uh, because that's the whole thing like this 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 thing is 100 megawatts power output uh, 400 megawatt hour um energy capacity and I would have to assume it doesn't take more space than a gas peaker plant. They right. are they are they're not small. You know, uh, if they don't do that, they should at least put solar panels on top. Like that, yeah. that would be a nice that would also thing. mitigate the uh, heat effect, right? Like they, they uh, yeah, I don't know because those know things much about I, I, I probably wouldn't touch those things, especially around now. Especially the I don't know, apparently the West Coast is uh, getting a decent heat wave. Especially right. the north, though, like in BC right now, like people are dying by the hundreds, by the hundreds from heat waves, fires too. But I mean, the fires are caused by the heat waves too. So, yeah, it was quite hot here uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, it was like over a hundred degrees. Uh, you know what's kind of sad is like this is probably the coolest, coolest it's going to be for the next, you know, for the rest of our lives. Like it's just going to get hotter and yeah. hotter. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad scary. to think about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, even scary is also a good word for it. All right. Um, speaking of fire, the uh, a brand new Mole S Plaid caught on fire in Pennsylvania earlier this week. Uh, it was a uh, it was a strange event at first. Now we're getting a little bit more information about it. So it was in the suburbs of uh, Philadelphia, and. Uh, at first, we only got our information from the firefighters that, that fought the fire and then an EMT that was also on scene to help the... No, no one was hurt during the event, but uh, they needed an EMT just because it was super hot and then the fire was on, on top of it. So the firefighters were getting, uh, having issues. So they had an EMT on, on, on scene to help the firefighters stay hydrated and whatnot. But yeah, the, uh, the 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 strange thing is that they they got a call from a neighbor that saw that a car was on fire and everything, and uh, they uh, they rushed on the scene. It took about three hours to extinguish the fires, and as you can see from the pictures here, I mean, uh, there's not much left of the of the mole S here, and um, the EMT said that they were still looking for the for the owner, which wasn't in the car, and the car was like rolling down the street. So at first it was the whole, it's a self-driving Tesla that caught on fire, which I mean, well, always a little bit skeptical about. But right. uh, but the fact that they couldn't find the owner was quite strange uh, based on the EMT, uh, what the EMT said on, on the scene. But now the owner, which we don't know who he is just yet, but he's uh, he's come out through his lawyers, which are were already... Um, Putting Tesla on blast here, and to a degree, there's there, there there's something to be said because this is a brand new car. Like literally, it has to be like less than two weeks old. Um, well, it has to be like delivered less than two weeks old. It might it might have been produced uh, a few months back, really, because we know Tesla has been producing some of them for a while back. 
So now it already brings some attention to uh, fire risks on the new Model S because especially in the context that Elon did mention that one of the reasons for the delays is that Tesla was making sure that the battery pack on the new Model S was safe. That's his word. So in that context, people are like, did you make sure enough that it was safe? Because within a few weeks, there's already one that caught on fire. Now, that's one of like 2,000 cars that were delivered uh, this 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 quarter. Um, the lawyers was quick about that. It was like, hey, this is one of 250 that already caught on fire. It's actually one of 2,000, to be fair. But nonetheless, he does have a point to a degree. Tesla hasn't commented on the issue, of course. I don't know if Elon doesn't comment on it. We don't. We don't know anything. But I would assume that the, uh, there's going to be a few investigation on that stuff, and Tesla's going to have to come out and say something about it at some point. We just don't know for now. Still pretty strange. Yeah. I'm sure uh, watching a Model S rolling down the street on fire would have been a weird scene. Yeah. And now, yeah, the, the lawyer's thing too was that uh, he said that the the owner was trapped inside the car. Um, briefly, uh, I mean, we don't have many details, but I would assume that when the car started catching on fire, uh, the, the power went down and then the electronics didn't work. So the electronic release didn't work, but then you have the manual release right next to it. And that probably worked and he was able to get out of the car without injury. Um, I mean, I, I don't blame him for saying that he was trapped in the car. You're probably panicking at that point and, and, and you want to get out, but. It's a good reminder, everyone, that you have an electronic release, which should always encourage people to use the electronic release, not to because of the frameless windows. But you also have the manual release that's right next to it, and it's easily available. So any kind of power, because uh, you you hear uh, <laughs> more than any other car I've heard that like we're trapped in the car in the Tesla in the sun and things like that. I'm like uh, I've never got it like this. There's no nothing magic about it. I mean, there's a manual release like any other car, unless the manual release breaks from some reason. But I've I've never heard that. Then you got four more to try. That's or true. Three more. Yeah. Well, actually, in the trunk too, you can jump in the trunk, and there's a right. there's a manual release in the trunk too. All right. Oh, like this one. This one is a is a great one. Like I, I got to laugh all of that one this this week. Like someone sent me that lawsuit, and I I read it and I chuckle a little bit. Uh, a Tesla owner, who happens to be a lawyer, by the way, surprise, surprise, uh, is suing Tesla over the idle fees, the supercharger idle fees. So he's a 2014 Model S owner. So he, he's very familiar with Tesla. He's, he's owned the car since, sorry, since 2014. And uh, back then, Tesla was selling the Model S under the free supercharging for life model. And, um, but then they introduced the idle fees, which is still free supercharging. It's just that if you leave the car after it's done charging and you leave there just park without charging, uh, Tesla's going to charge you a fee within five minutes of not moving the car in order for you to to free up the charging stall so someone else can use it, uh, which is just a way to incentivize you to just be a decent human being and move your car after charging it. But the guy uh, is is trying to make a very lawyer argument that uh, this actually defeats the purpose of claiming that you have free supercharging if you have a supercharger 
idol fees. Uh, is if you read the lawsuit, the guy is just masterfully never like mentioned idol fee, just mentioned like supercharger fee, uh, like to 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 not have a distinction between the two. And he's he's trying to turn this thing into a class action lawsuit and have other. Uh, Tesla owner, early Tesla owner that our free supercharger on, on free supercharging get on board, which good luck with that. Cause, uh, I think everybody else uh, can see through that nonsense. And, um, yeah, Mr. Kevin, Sh- Kevin Shank, Shankman, Kevin Shankman seems like a very nice guy. And, uh, he, I mean, even, even in the lawsuit, there's some crazy things in there. Like he says that in practice, Again, referring to the idle fees, in practice, this meant that customer would no longer be able to leave their vehicle unattended while it was charging and go do something else without paying for Tesla for supercharging. Paying Tesla for supercharging, a change from how Tesla previously marketed its vehicles, which is Something nonsense for anyone that's used a supercharger. You know that first of all, when you plug the car in the first place, it tells you how how much times it can it is going to take for you to charge at your desired charge level. Of course, that can change. For example, if uh, if you're parked, if you're using a, a V2 supercharger, the V3 that it doesn't apply, but for V2, if you're parked next to someone else in the AB stall, then you share power with someone, and if the someone leaves. Then, uh, then for for that for the time that he's leaving, you do get more power potentially, depending on your state of charge. So that could affect it. But um, other than that, like you know when it's gonna end, so you can leave and come back when it's gonna end. And on top of it, you have your mobile app that tells us send you a nice little notification on your phone that's telling you, hey, uh, your car is done. You should you should move it. So. That's that's you 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 get that you come back and I've been in a situation where I parked a car supercharger went to get to grab something to eat at a restaurant I haven't I wasn't done eating or something like that but I, the the charging got done faster and I just moved the car uh, went out moved the car went back in my seat within like five minutes and then you continue your your dinner or whatever it's it's perfectly doable but for some reason this guy doesn't make the difference he, he, Tesla's claim was free supercharging for life. I still have a car on free supercharging for life. My Model S is on that on that program, and it's still it's still free. What what this guy wants is free parking for life, and Tesla never promised that because when the car is sitting there not charging, it, it's it's a parking spot. It's not you're using right. it as parking spot, not charging. So this is kind of uh, the new. I mean, electric vehicles are still kind of uh, new technology for some people. And there's the, what we call the charging etiquette, like how to hack at a charging station. And this guy uh, obviously hasn't gotten on board just yet. And now he wants some money for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, the thing I didn't mention, though. <laughs> so this the first charge him an idle fee in 2019, and the guy didn't pay it. Uh-oh. And... uh and he complained to Tesla. He's like, "I'm not gonna pay it." And Tesla was like, "All right," they just and just forgave it. And then he continued using the supercharger and it worked. Then in 2020, same thing happened. And then Tesla was like, "No, you're gonna have to pay it now. Like, you cannot just leave your car there and and not pay your idle fee." And the guy was like, "Nope, you promised me free supercharging. I'm not gonna pay it." And Tesla was like, "All right, well, you're not gonna use a supercharger anymore if you're just gonna leave your car and, and accumulate idle fees and not pay them." And that's when triggered the lawsuit. Which I mean, I think it's fair for for Tesla. Like, if the guy doesn't use a supercharger network as intended, if you use them as a parking spot, then you lose your privilege of of using it. Yeah. Now I don't know about the legalities on all of it, but just in common sense, it obviously Tesla is on the right side. 
Now, based on the language and how they promise free supercharging, I don't know if the guy has actually a case or anything like that, but I would encourage any Tesla owners that could jump on the class action lawsuit not to do it and leave that guy alone and have his lawyer friends make the money off of it. And and that's it. All right, Tesla, China. That was the big story earlier in the week, a massive recall in Tesla, China. Everyone was posting that from the... The New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Tesla is recalling all Model 3, Model Y vehicles produced in China over the last two years. It's insane. Blah, 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 blah. Start looking into the story a little bit. All right, what's that recall? It's a software over the over the air update recall. All right, so it's not too bad. Tesla is not actually recalling the call. The, the, the vehicle is just that through the legal process, they have to call it a recall, but they're actually just pushing a software update that is, is demanded by the authorities. Okay, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, it's still fair for the Wall Street Journal and everything to call it a recall and everything. But where things got a little bit crazier is that when you look at the actual software update, and because uh, some I saw some people calling it, did I post it? Yeah. Some people was calling it a safety issue. Some people were calling like a autopilot software problem uh, and, and, all, and all those things. Like it was very blown up in the media when actually the actual software update is... Adding a chime to when you activate cruise control. So if you know right now you have a Model 3 and you have autopilot or not autopilot, one, one pole on the right-hand stock gives you the cruise control. Two poles gives you the autopilot. One pole, you just see the cruise control icon appearing on the on your screen. And that's it. Two poles, you see the autopilot, the auto steer icon appearing on the screen, and you get a little chime, like a ding ding happening. And um, apparently, some people were activating the um, the cruise control without knowing it. They were, didn't look at the icon or something because there weren't no chimes. So, what all Tesla did with this update is adding a chime to the cruise control activation. That's it. That's the whole update. That's the huge recall that all the media were blowing out the proportion. And the 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 problem really was was the, the Wall Street Journal was the first to report on on this, and they they called it a safety issue. And then they they only describe it as possible defects, which found that their cruise control system could accidentally acti- be accidentally activated and potentially result in unexpected speed increase. The uh, the regulator said. So this this kind of a weird way to describe people mistakenly uh, activating the cruise control. So that's it. Because of course, if you do activate cruise control, you're gonna get an acceleration out of it. If you are if if the cruise control is set at a higher speed than the 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 one you're driving right now, though it's it's uh, traffic aware. So depending on if you have a car in front of you, so um, completely blown out of proportion. But this is actually a good segue into our next story because. Tesla was able to fix that through an over-the-air software update. Now Porsche uh, announced that they are recalling also all Taycan produced uh, over the last two years and over a bigger issue, actually, over a a loss of power. But uh, it's also something that can be fixed through a software update. It's just that apparently said they are not able to do it over the air. Am I correct in saying that? Uh. Say that again. <laughs> uh, they're, it's they're over not, the air. It is over the air. No, they they could have done it over the air. They did not do it over. Okay. The air. Do you know why? 
So the official, well, so the on, I shouldn't say on background, but y- you know, like mm-hmm. our our Porsche source uh, said that uh, is something that they could have done over the air, but they wanted to make sure that it was done properly, uh, so that they, they wanted to make sure it was done um, in in person. So to me, that means that they don't have enough confidence in their over the air update that. Or, you know, maybe, maybe it couldn't have been done and they didn't want to tell me or whatever. But, um, to me, it says that they don't have enough confidence to do it over the air. They wanted to do it in person. So now, do you think that it's, it's purely like a technical issue or do you think it has something to do with the dealers? Because now you have to bring your car to the dealership. And this has been a problem in the U.S. where that, third-party dealership, they, they, they own service on those vehicles, and that recall yeah, is, a, is a part of their business, the recalls. Right. That's a good question. Um, I don't know. It's, it's also interesting that um, they didn't issue an official press release in the U.S. I had to go to the German website to get uh, kind of the, the verbiage there. Oh, no, I, I did. Yeah. I did get one in the U.S. Though I did get the press release in the U.S. You got the press release. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, there was there was an English press re- release, but it was for the for the U.S. thing. Anyway, um, that makes a lot of sense. Not something I thought about for uh, on for the first uh, pass, but um, it it's still to me like why as a Porsche owner, Porsche owner, do you have to drive to the dealership, sit in the lobby while they they basically do something that should should come over the air, especially with with Porsche talking about its over the air updates as as like you know on par with Tesla and and you know a part of the the car. If if it can't do this, then what is there? And I and I should note like um I, I gotta go jump to this the sites here, but on the uh, NHTSA site, um, I link to it in the in this post. There's 27 official complaints, and some of them are significant. Um, you know, one says complete battery failure luckily occurred in a safe location while parked. But uh, April 27th, I tried to launch control a few seconds into it. I got all-wheel drive error, engine performance limited, the car slowed. Um, one of them was like I was in the middle of the road and almost got rear-ended by a truck. Yeah, that, that, that's, uh, that's a problem with the power loss. Yeah, right. That was a scary the truck part. behind us had to come to a quick sudden stop to avoid hitting us. In the rear of the car, the car was taken to Porsche South, South Bay for under, understanding the cause of the problem. The manufacturer was alerted. Porsche customer care filed a case. Porsche service was supposed to report their findings to customer care, blah, blah, blah. The car was running f- fine when the issue happened. Porsche continually having issues with this car, all related to the PCM. So, I mean, you go through these and like, yes, th- there's a power outage. You know, you can restart the car and it works okay. But like this isn't this is something I feel like they should have just pushed an update like almost involuntarily mm-hmm. uh to the cars if if it can be fixed because otherwise you know somebody's gonna be in a in a tunnel or on a bridge mm-hmm. or behind a truck like this this other guy, and it's gonna be a death and it's something that can if it if it is something that can be pushed over the air, then it certainly should be so but we should know that just uh, was it two months or a few months ago Porsche did push uh, updates to the to the 2020 um Tycans to had features that were on the 2021 Tycans and yeah. those were like it was smaller if like not not related to like battery management stuff 
electric motor stuff. They were all more like uh, convenience features and, uh, and uh, well, there were some suspension features and things like that, but still wasn't as big of an update. It was more about like just adding value. And that was also not done over the year. That was also done by the dealership. You had to go to the dealership if you wanted those features. Yeah, I linked that. Uh, your post in April. And then at the same time, they had um, they did the uh, plug-in charge update, which allowed uh, Porsche to, you know, you just plug it in. You don't have to put in any of your, your information into Electrify America in the U.S. And that was done over the air. So they can do some over-the-air updates, but for some reason, they don't trust it. For all cases, I guess. Yeah, and uh, doing well right now. The Taycan two in the U.S. Right? It's uh, yeah, it just selling nine eleven. Uh, yeah, selling more than the seven eighteen, and about twice as much, almost twice as much as last year during the same period. Right. Um, the only thing is the Cayenne and the Macan, and we know the Macan's going to have a electric one uh, soon. So you know, Porsche might be a fifty percent EV company in a, in a year or two mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah. the, the mccann and the, the cayenne are going to be the big uh, the big deal to electrify yep and uh and they keep saying oh we want we want it we don't want it all electric with the 911 and everything but the, with the the, sh- the numbers they're seeing on the taycan I'm, I'm i'm pretty sure they're going to start considering making the 911 uh electric faster and I still don't understand why we don't have a small sports car that's all electric. I mean, we had the Roadster, of course, and then Tesla's going to bring back the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Roadster, the new version. But a smaller, like just a small sports car, all electric, like, because the, the, the Roadster is still like a four door vehicle. It's going to be like, a, uh, no, two, no, it's going to be two door, but four seat vehicle. Four seat, yeah. yeah. Um, so the electric Miata. Yeah, uh, electric Miata, or uh, I mean, uh, you make it, you make a Miata electric, you ultimately make it a, a higher performance version. But like, even because of course I'm not comparing a 911 to a Miata, but you, you know what I mean, like just yeah. a smaller sports car, two seater, that's all electric. Uh, I would think that Porsche would would jump on that, but anyway, they are just too attached to the image. I think on the 911. With those numbers, we should also note the only car that Porsche was down year over year was the Panamera, which is probably the closest. Um, well, definitely the closest competitor to the to Taycan. The Taycan yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's definitely cannibalizing, uh, you know, Porsche ICE. Which I think if automakers yeah. should take note, that's what you need to do. You need to be willing to cannibalize your own cell with your all electric vehicles, because otherwise right. someone else will, will, will steal those. Exactly. All right. We we have one more post to discuss, and then we're gonna jump into the comments. But uh, I know that since we uh, got on a lot earlier today, we have a lot less people watching live right now, so a lot fewer comments. But if you have any questions, put them in right now. We're gonna be able to discuss them in just a few minutes after we discuss the end. It's the end for the BMW i3 in the US. Sorry. Well, now it says next month, but it's actually not now. This month, because that was posted in June, but. Uh, BMW sent communication to their dealership in the U.S. saying that uh, July is going to be the last month that they're going to have allocation for the BMW i3 in the U.S. Uh, so it's the end. It's the end of the quirky little weird model that was uh, BMW's first all-electric vehicle. And uh, it had a good run, had a decent run, really. Um kind of didn't live up to the, what we thought it would be like the BMW i3 would come with the BMW i4 after that. We, we do get the BMW i4 now when the i3 goes away eight years later, but still, uh, 
And that's in the US. The program lives for a little while longer elsewhere. Uh, previously, BMW, I think it was last year, BMW committed to producing the i3 until 2024 at their German plant. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that's still, they're going to still stick to that 2024, because um, especially with the iX3, the i4, the i uh, next is now the iX. Those cars are obviously superior to the i3, which used the older generation uh, powertrain. So I don't know if they're going to stick to the 2024, but for, yeah, for the US, yeah, it's so over now. The Mini uh, is, is still using that, that platform as well. Yeah. So. And it's closer in form factor to the i3 than the other vehicles I mentioned. Yeah, I mean, the i3, like, it was certainly, you know, at its, when it was released, it was certainly a, an interesting car. Uh, you know, it had the Rex option, so it could be a plug-in hybrid. Um, although they strangely only put like a one or two gallon tank of gas. So you <laughs> drive like three exits and then fill up and then drive three more exits and fill up. Uh, there was some regulatory reason for that. Um, you know, like I, I drove one a few times, uh, you know, those, those suicide doors in the back were, were kind of annoying for if you have kids. So I think a lot of, you know, a lot of people didn't really use those for uh, four seaters. Um, and the range was like, you know, kind of depressing, like, uh, mm -hmm. just about a hundred miles. Uh, even at the end there, I think they had 130 or something. So that, that's just not going to sell in today's today's market where you kind of need 200 miles to just to compete compete yeah so i don't know I, like it was a great car at the time it should have been probably surpassed it should have been cannibalized by bmw mm -hmm. like probably two times since then um but bmw just kind of had a missing decade of evs yeah like they uh just didn't do anything. They, for, they sat on the yeah. early leadership that they created with the, the i3, really, because they were kind of early. 2013, that car came out. That was kind of early yeah. for the for their like resurgence of electric vehicles. And um, they, to be fair, they, they did deliver already around 200,000 units globally. So, of course, if you compare that to like a Model 3 and like that, Tesla does that in, in the quarter now, 200,000 Model, Model Y, if they put it together. But uh, so it's not it's not impressive, but it's still, it was still a significant electric vehicle. Uh, in the U.S., it never really catch on. Like uh, it, it peaked in sell in 2015 with about 11,000 units, and it has been decreasing ever since. I think now to like a thousand or two thousand a year max. So it's really not a significant vehicle program for 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 the company in the U.S. So that's why they're killing it. Uh, still doing okay in some market, especially Germany. So that's probably where it's gonna stay alive the longest. But I would be uh, surprised if it's still around even in Germany uh, by the end of next year. Wasn't uh, VW CEO uh, Herbert Dies kind of like part of that program when it launched? Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it's around the time that he left, though. When did he leave uh, BMW? Uh, I, I feel like that might have been BMW's big demise in terms of EV oh yeah, that could be a good reason why actually the uh, they didn't they, that was the last EV for a long time. Uh, if uh, DS was uh, was pushing for electrification there, uh, I'm just pulling out his uh, his LinkedIn here just real quick. So he left in 2014 BMW. Yeah. So laid the groundwork for the i3, launched Volkswagen. it, then left. Yeah. yeah. 
and then the the other leaders. My understanding of BMW is, and in 2014, after the i3 launched, pretty much everybody who knew anything about EVs exited the company, went different places like Electrify America, Byton. A, a lot of them went to Byton too. Byton, right? Um, even even like the PR people scattered. Um, so BMW basically had to start over with the with the i3s and stuff, and they you know kept the um, they kept the i3 going obviously until now, but really there was no change. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of the Chevy Bolt a little bit, where you know the Chevy created this fantastic car, 2016, probably you know one of the best you know electric vehicles of all time, and hasn't done much with it since. Yeah, a little bit of a shame. Definitely is. All right. Do we have, uh, I don't think we have many questions. We can look real quick, but uh, we were able to do an hour without it. Uh, All right. Yeah. Let me find a couple. Yeah. Uh, Have you seen any official thanks or congratulations from Tesla or Elon Musk to Pikes Peak champ Randy Popst? Seems like such a waste of good PR not to parade it around and sort of disrespectful to Randy and oh, team. I wouldn't go as far as saying that it's disrespectful, to be honest. I mean, it's not it, 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 it's not a pure MLS plot. I mean, it's mostly a MLS plot, but uh, Unplugged Performance did add quite a few modification to it, including and and there's there's things that Tesla I'm sure wouldn't necessarily like, like the whole like not using the the steering wheel uh, thing. So I can understand why Tesla wouldn't be exactly like promoting that stuff. Uh, but at the same time, yes, they definitely did a, a great time at um, at Pikes Peak. They, they they did win the exhibition uh, um, uh, category, which uh, I mean they, they did a great time overall. So so to to be fair, uh, I, I if I remember correctly, they the because of the timing and everything, they couldn't uh, enter anything more than the exhibition one. So maybe next year we, we could expect them to uh, enter a more maybe a more competitive uh, category. Uh, which would probably gather more, um, more press, but um, yeah, I w- I'm not surprised that that Elon and or Tesla themselves wouldn't wouldn't jump on on commenting on that. Really, not that it's not a great achievement from for Randy and the entire Unplugged performance team like that. That's uh, the, the, those guys are, are always doing great stuff. Uh, like Tesla already has pretty insane performance vehicle, and those guys always top it off every time. So uh, it's impressive. All right, so, uh, we have a reader that with a <laughs> Cyrillic name I can't pronounce. Mm. I love Tesla. When is the car? When this car come to Moscow? Uh, well, you know, has been saying soon. They've been saying soon for for a, a long time. Uh, so uh, we 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 don't really know. However, we do know that the best indication for Tesla launching a new market is Tesla having supercharger in the market, which is definitely the first thing they do, and then a service center. They won't do anything until they have both of those. Service center uh, is the one that's more uh, in the air right now. But uh, the the superchargers, the, there's some planned ones, and uh, if you look at the map, I think they are planned for early next year. They say, uh, but even that those timelines are never great either. So I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it actually launched next year. However, to be fair, with the Russian the Russian Tesla fans, they um, they they do take care of themselves pretty well. Like <laughs> we we do know that there's this this gray market where Tesla is not officially in a, in, in a specific market. Um, you have to import the vehicle. <clears throat> Sorry, you have to import the vehicle yourself. 
And uh, that comes with its own complication in the importation process. But also, once you do get delivery, um, the Tesla doesn't have necessarily like a network partnership in terms of the connection for, for the, the GPS, the the cellular connection for like autopilot and, and all, all, all that stuff, which is uh, not ideal. But... Um, the, the local owners that did go through the process of importing their own cars created their own Tesla club in Moscow and uh, the, um, the, the, they put together a whole process to facilitate the importation and uh, also to service the vehicle there. They have a whole like full flesh service center that they build themselves. So good on them for that. And uh, so if you are in Moscow, you can actually check them out and see if you could get the car, uh, not officially through Tesla, but through them. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a little bit more expensive, probably, but it's it's certainly doable. All right, I think that's about it. The only other thing is, yes, we uh, scheduled a a earlier show today because mm-hmm. uh, of my schedule, but we'll be back at the normal scheduled time, most likely uh, next week at four o'clock Eastern time. Yeah, so that's probably why we don't have that much questions right now because uh, fewer people are watching us live. But we appreciate the ones that did uh, come out live because that means you're probably subscribed and you saw the notifications. So if you're not subscribed and you're watching after the fact right now, please do and you get a notification uh, and when we go live on on YouTube and Facebook. And then, of course, the, the podcast goes audio only on all your podcast platform out there. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening and watching. And we're going to see you same place, same time. Uh, Not same time, actually. This time, 4 p.m. Eastern time next week. Have a good weekend.